Uh, well, Ed, I don't know about you, but that is literally the most I've enjoyed a football match since, oh, ooh, the week before when we smashed Sheffield United. No, I think I enjoyed this one even more. Oh, it was good. It was so good. I mean, th- I mean, the peak moment, the, the, the money shot, if you will, almost literally in my case, was when Bruno <laughs> spanked in Mason's cross. It was uh, that goal. Absolutely. Sex. Just beautiful. Let's just start with, I know, you know, let's just start with, I know it's the, it's the third goal, around, but let's but start yeah, with yeah. it. All right. That, so from Maguire's header, she really just well won, commanding, just what you want from your tough centre-back, fine header, Matic's pass. I mean, oh, the ongoing so theory that Nemanja Matic is, it, like, first of all, I think we have to even go maybe a little bit above just that he's, he's good when he's not under any pressure. He's just, I mean, uh, we'll see if he's under any real pressure, but he's hes just playing magnificently at the moment. And that ball was, yes, fair enough. I mean, it was just beautiful. On the turn, perfectly weighted right into the space. And I kind of assumed it was Rashford at first when I saw somebody charging up the left wings, immediately realised it's Mason Greenwood. The cross! The cross! I mean, if he meant that, because... Because Martial and Rashford are in the middle of the box. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's it possible. feels like he meant it. Yeah. I think so too. And if he meant that on the run, to land that cross where he landed it, that is absolutely exceptional. You go front post or back stick and he went to the back stick. So yeah. I, I don't think there's any question really. And his touch is good enough that you'd expect. Yeah, it's just perfect. 10.4 seconds. So quicker oh. than... Ronaldo's goal against us on the Champions League semi-final, which we talked about so much on Game Club. Yeah. uh, Yeah, uh, it it is funny watching the comparisons, you know, side-by-side videos that go around on social media. There was one of those two, but uh, this was even better, I think. Yeah, and I mean, the execution, like from from the time he gets to Matic, the the touches, every touch is just sublime. And Bruno's finish is is great, you know, this is not non-trivial isn't it to keep it down and hit it first time and all that kind of right stuff. right over the top of the ball hit it really hard and clean yeah lovely yeah just just a beautiful beautiful goal and a great moment and sort of capped off united's night and, and look sure it's brighton and i guess united would be expecting to beat brighton although this is a side that beat their mid-table rivals arsenal reasonably comfortably so and um, we've never won, like Brighton have been in the Prem, what, two, three seasons? Couple we've never won there years. yet. Yeah, I haven't so. won there. I mean, pretty bad last year, wasn't it? So Yeah. So, yeah, all good. I mean, nothing but positives um, adding to the comfortable FA, FA Cup victory last week. <laughs> and uh, the Someone very, the actually ex- genuinely comfortable victory over Sheffield United. United have got really genuine momentum right now. I mean, no doubt. It, it's 16 games unbeaten, a slightly false stat because a lot of the games before the lockdown were not comfortable. I mean, you had these big victories over weaker opposition and then... Um, some you know average performances in in wins. I mean, it's it's ever since I think it's Burnley was that awful defeat against Burnley, and then it's sixteen games. Um, so, but but post lockdown, apart from the the Norwich game, which is you know has a load of kind of caveats because of the the, the many changes as we discussed on the last pod. It, it's great momentum for United. United playing really well, and look at the run in. Premier League running, and you like it's not inconceivable to say we could win every game. No, at absolutely all. not, and absolutely not. 
I, you know, it's it's not even a it's not even a bold shout, is it? Like this is I, I, I'm, this is not me getting carried away, right? I promise. I mean, Mason Greenwood is definitely the best player that's ever played for Man United. But apart from that, I'm not getting carried away. Just to clarify, because there are people listening to this that don't come from cultures where sarcasm is the default method of communication like it is in the United Kingdom. So just to be clear, I don't actually mean that. But um, the uh, this that first 11, I was thinking, when did United last have a first 11 this good on paper? Because I don't think in the 12-13 season, like on paper, there's loads of gaps in that squad. I mean, that was a better team because Fergie, and we talked loads about that on Game Club, um, but first eleven wise, you've got to go back a really long way to go. This is oh, this is just for, for full sure, of exceptional yeah. And there's, there's real quality everywhere now, and even I mean, especially in midfield, which was the massive weak link for so long, wasn't it? And now we've got Scott McTominay, who can count himself very unlucky to be out of the side because he's had a very good season, uh, another season of growth, uh, and Fred, who's had. He's probably been United's best midfielder, discounting Bruno, you know, this season. Uh, and they're both out of the side. Um, yeah, discounting the- Pogba, who's played for a fraction of the time, but has contributed vastly more than <laughs> either of them. You know. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's not the weak link. The weak link beyond that, you'd have said, was uh, central defence or at least you know, Victor Lindelof, although United conceded very few goals this season, Lindelof was felt like a weak link. At the beginning of the season, Harry Maguire made a lot of mistakes. He's grown as the season has gone along. Lindelof doesn't look like a weak link right now. And so the two areas of the team that, of the first 11, that don't feel quite right are, are Luke Shaw, obviously. And, you know, someone's going to say, hey, you've got an agenda on Twitter, but I don't. I like him. I wish um, I wish he was the player he was when he was eighteen, because that that was a player with real promise, but no longer. Looked a little looked looked a little better. He was better mm. against um, Brighton than against Sheffield United, I would say. Yeah, someone said of um, Tony Blair once he was the future once uh, Luke Shaw. So it's uh, I I just don't I don't see a future for him in, in a in a better you know championship chasing United side. Uh, he made uh, two tackles, one cross, no chances created, um, no interceptions and no assists last night. And there was one point when I, one of the, the really interesting things about this United side is they're working so hard. Mason made a, a couple of uh, mistakes yesterday, uh, one one which he resolved by uh, collecting a ball that clearly gone out of play and keeping it in. But, you know, we'll, we'll forgive him for that one. A couple yeah. of misplaced passes every single time he was sprinting to go get the ball back. Uh, and then there was one, like, moments after one of those recoveries where Luke Shaw was sort of ambling back as as uh, Brighton were attacking down the right near the end of the game. I was like, hmm. So weak link there. And the other weak link was the right wing, which, for all Daniel James's promise, he's actually not had a very good season. Let's he's had be honest. a very bad season. He had yeah. a really good start and he's got and, a number and then, of assists. You know, and, but... and Ollie's, I don't know, either doesn't fully trust Mason or is protecting him, probably, let's say, this the latter... But, but he but started no, the I mean, last couple of Premier League games. It, it, exactly. I think that you can almost say that was what was happening, but now Mason's the first choice on, on the right wing. So and I don't know be, why you would... Because he's yeah, such a threat, as you saw with I, his, the opening goal. I mean, 
defenders don't know which way to to defend him because he's as strong oh. on the right and the left. They just can't, you know. And he, um, I mean, just a lovely couple of step over overs. It's not a Phil Neville step over. This it's he's moving this quickly. He's got the ball under control at all times. He can strike it with the right or the left, and he can go in either corner with a shot as well. And the keeper was done at the near post, but you wouldn't blame me. He's gone to the the defender's leg and and just was so crisply hit. So yeah. Anyway, really promising. But then you've got the other side of the really promising, which is Andreas Pereira for Bruno as a substitute. Which we talked about the the five subs the other week. I mean. Has there been a single substitution in modern United memory that was such a big downgrade? Has yes, there been? I think I think we've talked about this a number of times because there's been so many of them. Because that's that's like that's where we're at with a with the kind of the squad. I mean, there, there isn't there is squad depth in central midfield. What a, what a weird sentence! Um, and there is a decent amount of squad depth up front as well. Because I think, especially like you could play Dan James. Dan James, I think, has looked better on the left than than often than he's played I think on the he's right. More comfortable on the left. Yeah, Igalo is a perfectly serviceable. I mean, you wouldn't want him starting loads of Premier League games, but very fine kind of cover player to have. Given, I would, I would, I'm very surprised that I'm saying that, but that's the truth. Really, the it's kind of the creative fulcrum of the team that is really lacking in terms of cover in that either Bruno or Pogba goes down and we are massively reduced because the two of them clearly benefit to such an exponential degree by having each other. Just the amount of attention that they get from defenders. I mean, that, that this is... I, I'd love to have the time to go through Scout and cut a load of clips together and show a bunch of examples. And I don't have any of that uh, at my fingertips, but I'm absolutely certain that one of the reasons we're scoring all of these goals is just because Pogba and Bruno are causing, are allowing defenders, are forcing defenders to concentrate on two things rather than one. Because we've stopped one United player and you stop them all has been the case for such a long time and it just isn't anymore. Now it's if the right one don't get you, the left one will. Yeah, sure. And I, look, I think it's uh, Bruno's uh, entry into the team and his instant impact has had a really revitalising um, property on Pogba, hasn't it? I mean, he's just got so much. It's, it's not the freedom that we thought he would, Pogba would get from a good defensive player. It's the freedom to not have to do everything in exactly. an attacking sense that has revitalised him. And look, um, he's playing. He's currently in the team, playing as the the role that he played with the France team. In fact, it's more, even more box to box. You know, he's perhaps more conservative with the French team in the World Cup, um, but he's got the license to to be the sort of you know Brian Robson role, if you will. Um, and he's I doing will. it. He's doing it. And and all the people who said, "Oh, he's lazy, or it doesn't work, or he doesn't want to do it," you know, they, they can watch that and f- their words because he's he's the perfect modern midfielder. You know, great technically superb sort of game intelligence and management um physically he can get from box to box and he's complemented by bruno who as we spoke about at length last week takes every possible risk to to create chances for united i mean pogba is just staggeringly brilliant at football that's the thing that's been so frustrating not only uh about like frustrating in the sense that sometimes he hasn't been staggeringly brilliant for united but the commentary around him. And I'm actually not talking about just the straight up, 
idiotic racist commentary. I'm talking about the the kind of the wider the way that sort of seeped into United fan culture as well. I, it, I found it just disheartening and basically distressing, and not just looking at him going, "This is a player who." given the right circumstances, you know, a lot of people have made fun over the years of like, oh, you've got to sign so many players for Pogba. But no, this is what we've been talking about all this time. Like, give him the the a team around him and he is just unbelievable. I mean, I would much sooner, and, and this is, you know, I'm, out of everyone in the team, I feel like he is the most irreplaceable out of all of them. And even Bruno, I'd rather have, Pogba at his best and Bruno at his best if I've got a choice between the two. By Actually, that's not even close, to be honest. But what I really want is both of them because that's the magic special source. That's the thing that's... Especially with the three forwards ahead of them, all of whom are brilliant. Like, Rashford is struggling a little bit in front of goal, but his touch isn't struggling. Um, on the Touchline Fracker podcast, somebody made a brilliant point, I thought, about Rashford, which is... He clearly is not in the best of form, but what he's doing is using the ball really well. He's he's not trying too hard. He's not trying to do things he's not in the touch to do. He's making simple passes and really using the rest of the players around him who are in form well. It's very, very exciting. I've lost the run of myself. Well, not for the first or the not last the time on time. this podcast. Yeah, no. oh, look, which is fair enough. Isn't it exciting to have a good United team? Good United team. Now... Um, in this this short period since since lockdown, we haven't played a really good side. That that might not come this season, and maybe in the FA Cup it will. We're going to play Chelsea, who are in good form, and, and they have to beat City, City in the, the final, final, right? Um, and so so we'll, we'll see how United's progress in in those games, I guess. Uh, but but the the progress on the the pitch from, um, in playing what's in front of us is tangible. And it's real, and we can feel uh, great confidence about that. I'm hoping those upstairs and those in Tampa don't feel too confident. And and the stories about United only willing to go to 50 million for Sancho um, uh, don't have any substance to them, and they're not convinced that they don't really need to spend any money this summer because look at the progress. Mm. Anyway, that's a different discussion. Well, I guess we'll get there when, at the end of the season, when uh, we've uh, you know climbed up to second place with our string of victories, and it's it's comfortable. We can start focusing on transfers instead. The um, the thing about uh, we haven't been tested against a big team. It's like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, actually, Solskjaer's got a great record against big teams right from the off. Yeah, and that's that's so that's what it is. The thing I'm talking about losing the run of myself is being really, really, really sure. That if it carries on like this, we're not going to have to worry about Champions League qualification next season. Not we're going to win the league because I think that's that it's it's the teams that we're supposed to beat that have been the problem for the whole post Ferguson era. It hasn't been the big games. I mean, actually, I mean, I'm not saying the big games have all been great because like in the Moy season they were a disaster. But you know, Van Hal got the team up for the big games, and the team has kind of got itself up for a number of the big games on a number of occasions. But the thing that's consistently been absolutely maddening is how we've played against teams that just sit back and defend against us. And that, now, you wouldn't want to set up a team to try and keep a clean sheet against Man United, this this team, would you? No, no, I mean, it's a very different proposition now, especially with two sort of forwards in wide positions and two creative plays in midfield. I mean, United are in a much stronger position Um than we have been for quite some time in that regard. Um, I mean, against the big teams, it's going to be interesting because 
the way United have beaten Chelsea and City a couple of times and Spurs at Spurs uh, before the lockdown or last season uh, and had that good record is by playing extremely cautiously and playing on the break and having sort of 35% possession. Mm. This is not how United are playing right now. So if no. if if on Saturday United were playing Chelsea or City or Liverpool rather than Bournemouth, how would Solskjaer set it up? Yeah, I mean, no would, he, would, he, would he go cautious and drop one of the two creative players? He couldn't, could he? But then... I'm not sure you'd want to play with 35% possession with the two of them in central midfield. Anyway, that's a hypothetical, but it's, it'll be an interesting one when we come to that. And next season, how does he approach those those really big games? Mm. Are we on equal terms or not? Yeah, let's find out. I mean, we're definitely on it. Chelsea aren't better than us, are they? Like, no way. Um, I mean, City and Liverpool, probably inarguable that they still are because they're much more complete and together in their project. Although, although... And now we really do. I am glad I'm not on YouTube so no one's paying attention to this. I mean, there is an argument that actually we're not that much weaker than them player for player, really. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but it's I, when I, you get to players 12 to 25 yes. that we have a pretty big problem, clearly. So um, I wanted to... Uh, uh, the the first goal, Mason, those chops... Oh, we can talk about goals. We'd almost forgotten the game for a moment then. Um, he celebrated by, uh, talking of forgetting the game, he celebrated with an Angel Gomez tribute, a little A with his fingers. Angel Gomez, who it looks like is... Uh, R.I.P. Angel. Yeah, yeah he's going to he's gonna leave. And, and, you know, those of us who uh, were very, very, very excited about his early um, football in the reserves, it's going to be fascinating to see if he can really find his way somewhere. And, and he's, got, he's got the drive. talent. And oh, I, yeah. I think he has the attitude as well. There aren't the reports that he, it's, a, it's a training ground problem. Physicality is a problem. He's very, he's very small, although that I think it's an old idea to say that that small players can't make it. Look at David Silva or Bernardo Silva or Lionel Messi. I'm not saying he's as good as any of those players, um, but it's, it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, he is quick along the ground. His technique is very good. He's got a really good range of passing, but it's not tested at the top level. And and the th- the most important thing, if he's going, which it seems like he is, uh, is that he picks the right club. He can't afford yeah. to be spending time on the bench now. He's got to be playing. Absolutely. And honestly, like, I just wish him nothing but a fantastic career. And I look forward to us buying him. I and this is the most route one joke in the world but i look forward to us buying him back for 90 million pounds um in a couple of years time uh the, the other thing that i wanted to say about this goal was to just uh flash back to some stuff i said about Solskjaer in the last podcast and the one thing the one massive area of credit which he really deserves and i was i was reflecting on this as a like well we spent a long time going it's not the players it's the manager it's not the players it's the manager it's not the players it's the manager um when we didn't like the manager so now when the managers when the players are playing well got to give more credit than I did to Solskjaer for the direct personal improvement to some of these players and um the level of performance from Martial from Rashford I mean Greenwood didn't have much exposure but god knows what Greenwood would be doing if bloody Jose Mourinho was the manager like Solskjaer does Covering have the right back. Yeah, right, exactly. For all for all I'm not impressed by him, that doesn't mean anything, you know, that's not meaningful. But for all that vibe, 
he's getting a lot out of these very talented players, not just in terms of like formation and, and picking the right team, but they, they're playing with freedom, with all those things. And some of that has to come from the manager. So I that should really have said that more strongly last time I was talking about him. Sure. Um, and, and, was a and yet there's the, the little dangling doubt at the back of my mind that says, you know, I, I don't know that Solskjaer can build a, go the next step and build a title winning side. We've got momentum. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, and, and, and it, whether he can or not, he's done, he's done a tremendous job with the second half of this season. You know, whatever happens next. So, yeah, that's uh, I wanted to say that. Also, I want to talk about Bruno because I actually uh, was thinking a lot about this, and I don't think I well, I know I didn't articulate what I was trying to say about him because I made a really bad argument about Pogba. And like you say, the percentage Pogba's pass completion is literally across the whole of his career basically about ten percent higher than Fernandez. And you were saying before we recorded that you'd been through the stats, and Fernandez is giving the ball away basically more like the most out of the top twenty most creative players in the world. And what I was kind of trying to say, but not getting at or not able to articulate is that I'm kind of okay with that with Fernandez because he just isn't like the top 20 creative players in the world, is he? He's just, he is something special, some sort of, I don't mean he's the best out of all of them, but he's the most relentlessly creative player, isn't he? He just never stops trying stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, it would, um, now what United have bought a player of this type, uh, and there were obviously a lot of big clubs reluctant to do that, including United last summer, um, we have to build a, a team that, that complements that. You know, and, and Pogba is going to have to play in a, probably a role he doesn't really want to, but will do to great effect, um, which is a very disciplined role, and, and, and especially in the big games to come, especially. But I just don't know where the idea that Pogba doesn't want to do that comes from. Because all he's ever said is, I want to be a midfielder. I'm a midfielder. I love being a midfielder. Yeah, like, he's that's a all crazy he's midfielder, said. you know. Anyway, he is. Um, but, but no, I mean, he's always talked about being an all-round midfielder. Because like, he's so good at the other midfield stuff. Sure. As well as, you know, he's obviously good enough to play as a number 10. But he's just amazing. And the way he, the way when he gets the ball deep, he eats up the space, you know, between his stride and his um, and his incredible ball control. Anyway, yeah, more, more praise for Paul Pogba, not necessarily right now. But anyway, that's what I, I wanted anyway, to make two Pogba, corrections. Pogba and Fernandez were were both involved in United's second goal. As was which, Luke Shaw. As was Luke Shaw. Yeah, he's not getting the assist though because he <laughs> fluffed his cross. Uh, anyway, the cross. Uh, Luke Shaw gets in good position. The cross is cut back. Uh, it's cleared and Pogba controls it I, I may be missing a step here um, and it's the it's the nice pass inside uh, to, to Bruno and it's not the first time we've seen that but they just seem to have a very good connection don't they I mean two very good players obviously do and and uh, if it's anywhere inside the 35 yards or so and Bruno's got a clear shot on goal he's clearly going to shoot <laughs> except this one he didn't hit it very cleanly um he's gone in the um the nearest corner of the goal but he's clearly aiming for the other one I think. it took a massive it took a massive deflection massive, massive deflection yeah um but he like he said um the, the he was asked in the post-match interview oh you got uh, a little bit fortunate with the deflection he goes yeah well 
keeper got quite fortunate with the one where it hit the post. And he's True. right, because that one was the cleanest strike you'll ever see. And the build-up for that was even better and featured exactly the identical pass from Pogba inside. But it was just some majestic play all round from United leading to that chance. And, and that was not him being kind of Tim Bruno shoots from anywhere. This was like a, f- a fine opportunity to stroke a side foot shot in and, and he executed almost to perfection. That would have been uh, nearly as good a goal as the third one. I'm yeah. glad that Mason Greenwood's like absolutely sick chop step overs that was then like planted with a beautiful near post finish between the defender's legs is by far and away the second best goal of the game because the, <laughs> the best goal of yeah. the game is so good. It's right. I mean, Mason's return is is fantastic across all competitions. Uh, obviously, quite a number of his goals this season in the Europa League and cup competitions, but um, he's 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 got a great return. I, was, I think I was reading somewhere it's the biggest, it's the second biggest return from a teenager since Rooney broke through into the Everton team, something like that. Yeah, I mean... He's and a, it could be the it could end up being the first if he scores another three goals. I think, which like you would not bet against Mason Greenwood scoring three goals between now and the end of the season if he plays every game, which I think he will because Solskjaer clearly has proven. I mean, this is almost inarguable. He doesn't make bafflingly terrible selection decisions very often. He's you know this team. Bruno played 120 minutes against um, Norwich, but he clearly felt like it was worth playing him from the start in this one anyway because of the recovery time between games and also presumably that he wouldn't be like having to put in an incredible physical shift, although he did run a long way. He actually got to come off the pitch in this one, get to get to get sub, Bruno did. Um, yeah, good decision. And, and I'm sure, let, let's, um, should we take a quick break and then preview the next game? Do a little quick preview of the next one? Let, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, um, I mean, final word on this one, really comfortable Really comfortable victory, and uh, we got a long time before the next one, so everyone should be nice and fresh by the weekend. Um, and yeah, anyway, let's uh, let's have some adverts for you know stuff, and then we'll come back and talk B- Bournemouth. One good save from De Gea as well, and the, the the kind that you would expect him to still be making for sure. The kind of big big hand up up the top, one of them. It was about Classic. the only save he had to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. All right, so, um, Bournemouth. Oh, rubbish. Yeah, they are not playing the good football or doing well at the football. They got beaten 4 1 by Newcastle United, which, listen, right? That is not a good look if you're getting beaten 4-1 by Newcastle United. They're getting beaten by everybody. I mean, they were beaten by Palace, they are beaten by Wolves. Tight game, that one, but... Uh, and then absolutely spanked by Newcastle. Uh, I mean, everyone's got to be associated with Bournemouth, got to be extremely worried. Not only are they, are they the team that is most hit, you know, currently, financially, they've got the thinnest margins to play with basically, um, and had to take emergency uh, loan out, didn't they? Uh, but they are sinking like a stone. It doesn't look like they're anywhere close to, to surviving this. And and their main competition for the drop is West Ham, who are dreadful. Mm. But even but Bournemouth are even more dreadful 
Uh. I mean, if I, my guess right now is that Villa are going to be the team that avoid the drop. And that's, that's I don't know, maybe that's a little bit just because I'm, I, I have dear friends who are Villa fans, so I'm sort of rooting for them. Um, but but I th- almost think they've been the least worst out of all those teams. I think think they've picked up the most points. I haven't checked this, but I think they've picked up the most points out of any of the bottom four since lockdown started, even if that's one or maybe two. Um, so, you know, it's very easy. There's not much to go on, is there? And But yeah, Bournemouth, just bad. Is this at Old Trafford? It is, isn't it? Yeah, this one's at yeah, Old Trafford. Yeah, it is. I mean, not that it'd make any difference, I don't think. <laughs> so. I, it's just, not, I guess, nice for them not to have to hit the road again. Um, sure, and, and a very long road that would be down to Bournemouth, or maybe they'd fly into Southampton or something like that. But anyway, they don't have to because it, it's at Old Trafford. Mm. I mean, the thing with Bournemouth is they've got some good players, in theory. I mean, Nathan Aki is wanted by... Uh, I mean, made the decision to leave Chelsea as a young player. He's wanted by... Play, uh, he was considered by City um, uh, you know, to fill that hole there. Um, Victor Solanke was a great player as a youth player. He's barely Victor, scored a... Victor Solanke? Vikram. Ah. I'm forgetting the, his first Dom- name. Dominic? Dominic. <laughs> Why am I wanting to call him Victor. I don't know that that name rings a bell in my head though. So maybe we're going to find cricketer. I think anyway, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Um, anyway, Dominic Slanky. Uh, he he was a great player as a young player. He's barely scored a goal since leaving Liverpool. He cost how much? A lot. Yeah, of a lot. Money. Um, and Josh King, who we know can score goals and was wanted by United, and, and United didn't get him. Uh, got Odeon instead. Got Odeon instead. Um, who's having a bad time of things as well. So you know they've got they've got some players who. Um, you'd you'd imagine could um, could do okay at, at Premier League level, but they're just the you know, and and in Eddie Howe, they've got a young coach who wants to play good football, and who um, has done and has who kept has them. done and and seem to be performing a miracle with with uh, Bournemouth, but right now they just don't they can't they can't buy a point from anywhere, and, mm. and you just don't see it coming from them at all. No. And and hopefully they won't suddenly get... Vikram Solanke was a cricketer. Well, they, there you go. They, they play us, then they play Spurs, then they play Leicester, then they play Manchester City. And by that time, it's probably too late for them. Yeah, absolutely. So this is... this is They're in dire... They're in a dire situation as probably as a club. I mean, they've got backing, haven't they? They've got the Russian guy who put a bunch of money into the club and P gets suspended and he feels like it. Then maybe they you know, buy themselves back out of the championship. So we'll see if that happens. But yeah, no, it's, a, it's a big problem. And, and you know, I'm not relishing in this for them. Um, I'd love it if they beat all those other teams and miraculously somehow made West Ham go down. For more than one reason, I would wish that. Um, but the uh, But what I don't want is them to suddenly be good at the weekend because we need this momentum. Leicester lost again today to Everton as we record this. Um and they are not they're not looking like putting any results together i mean they they haven't got a point since lockdown i don't think no, they've won um point against brighton yeah yeah there. right yeah and and look they they went 2-0 down against everton and improved a lot uh, but just not you know they're good. a lot he made some tactical changes and and managed to shut the game down so um but uh, 
They, yes, they, they are in deep trouble. Our, our biggest, apart from Chelsea being in good form, the, the, it's over our shoulders we need to be looking, isn't it? Now, again, over our shoulders. Um, <laughs> so Wolves, uh, who are picking up points and you know seem very well equipped to, to finish the season strongly. They have to play Sheffield United, Spurs and Chelsea on the final se- uh, day of the season. That could be interesting. We play Leicester, Wolves play Chelsea... You know, could That's, still be two places from four uh, Wolves, on that final day. Wolves playing Chelsea on the final day of the season is good for us as well, isn't it? Because someone's yeah, it dropping is. points that we need to drop points. Um, uh, the um, the thing about Leicester is they were good against Chelsea for periods of that game as well. I just haven't been able to put it all together for periods of time. I and mean, when I wouldn't put it past them to click and go on a run at some point, um, just like I wouldn't put it past Chelsea's form to drop, although they do look... They do look like a team that's functioning at the moment. Um, one thing that is nice is our running. Because until Leicester now, I mean, we really, really, really very much with a capital S, with the way we're playing with the team we've got, barring major injuries, we should be winning all of these games. That's not that's not hyperbole based on a couple of good performances. That's We should be anyway. And with the players we've got in this side, there's no reason to fear these games. I mean... Like sure. I'm re- reflexively talking about this, feeling a bit tense, talking about the Bournemouth game. Like, oh my God, is it just all going to go wrong again? But there's no reason to believe that that starting 11 won't be the starting 11 again and won't work its magic again. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's uh, we shouldn't fear, fear this kind of trepid- this game with trepidation. Sorry, I completely mangled my sentence there. But but the the types of fixtures we were failing to win were those where a very compact side would work out that if you don't give United space behind, that we have no plan B. Now there's definitely plan B and plan C, and it doesn't involve knocking it long to Maran Fellaini, thank you very much. Uh, another tick in the Ollie box there. Um, yeah. So I, I look, and, and even if that was still a problem, Bournemouth are not the kind of team that can do that. They just no. don't, they can't. So... I imagine a very comfortable win for the United at the weekend. Shouldn't say yeah. that. It's going to jinx it, right? No, it's weird though, isn't it? Because it does feel so odd to say that, but I don't know how you analyse the reality of it and don't say that. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and then around us, well, you know, Wolves have a couple of difficult fixtures. Chelsea don't until they go to Liverpool. That fixture is still scheduled for the day before the FA Cup semi-final. I'm going to assume they're going to postpone that one to the midweek yeah. after. Uh, but hopefully a tough game against us in the semi-final. Trip to Liverpool, Liverpool down, have anything to play for, but still, you know, still. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe that slows them down. Um, Leicester, I mean, maybe we won't even need that last game of the season to overtake Leicester at this rate anyway. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but maybe we won't. So it's, I mean, it's looking good for United right now. There's, there's At least there's more than one team we can chase down, not just... One. That's that's and, crucial. And it being Chelsea isn't it? playing well, yeah. and this is all assuming that we even need to chase any of these teams, exactly. down, which is yeah. a, another fairly significant part of all of this. Well, it's also it? worth loads of money, actually. I mean, you know, not to, not to hark on about money too much, but the difference between finishing fourth and third is twenty five percent of your nation's pool. Mm, um, so right. it's worth ten million pounds, perhaps even more than that. Right. 
So would that apply to fourth and fifth in in the theoretical? Yeah, universe? I presume so. Yeah, right. I presume so. Yeah, uh, which just means that the Glazers' dividend will be extra juicy this time <laughs> next year. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about the future when the future's a bit closer. For now, um, I'm going to predict. I think three 0 FC. Oh. I think I think we might be three 0 FC. I think we, uh, maybe 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 maybe. It's a return of 4-0 FC. Yeah, it's possible. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say it. Yeah, someone's getting a hat trick, aren't they? But I'd like to see Marcus get a goal because he yeah, probably needs, needs it. Yeah, but I also think um, it's so nice that like the player that so much rested on before he got injured, so actually it's, he can he can kind of slowly bring himself back to form and fitness. He doesn't need to like tear it up every game for us to stand a chance because there's there's so many people prepared to share the load. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, goal for Marcus would be brilliant. All right. Well, Very that, good. Is, is that all the agenda items covered? I think it might be. I haven't got anything to say. Oh, well, well one thing, you know, since we, we can't, um, we can't have a pod with getting, without getting political for a little bit. A report out this week that's quantified what we've known and talked about for what, a decade? Yeah. Uh, which is the, um, bias unconscious or otherwise in commentary on, in TV football, right? And the, the type of language used about black players versus white players. So, um, and which we've known, and there's so many people guilty of it. Um, you uh, reminded me of a reply by Gary Lineker to one of your tweets from a couple of years ago, which was, wow, God, that's a poor response in which Gary Lineker basically made an excuse for it or said you were looking for it. Yeah, exactly. That was, you know, and it was interesting... Because I was thinking about that, I nearly I was I nearly sent him a tweet today. Not not a nasty one, like saying, "Listen, three years ago you replied with this. Look, here's the data. I wasn't looking for it. This is the thing. But the thing I I didn't do that because what is the point? Like I don't care about. Although it would be good for Gary as a perhaps even the nation's preeminent football broadcaster. Yeah, to say you know what I was wrong about right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and it's not even, I was wrong about this specific thing, but we as an industry need to address this and I need to take responsibility for it. Yeah, exactly. And as well as all the others who are much more guilty than him. And the thing that it made me reflect on was that literally the only reason that I knew this was happening was because black people told me this was happening. I didn't notice it. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't independently come to the conclusion that this was happening. This was, I was told that this was happening and then it became and then once you hear once you see it you can't unsee it because it happens well like the data says it happens all the time in a relentless way and yeah i just it, it's this thing that the linica's reaction which was like to say oh what about these two specific examples and that you're looking this isn't happening you're looking for it it's like that's the whole problem the whole problem is we just don't listen we don't listen to the thing that's happening because it makes us feel awkward and uncomfortable about ourselves. And I feel like the one, like maybe the one little spark of hope of what's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement is that there are some people, far from everyone, but some people maybe having uncomfortable conversations with themselves about their own position. And that, that you know, if that happens, we stand a chance of making the world slightly better. 
Absolutely. Well, let's let's celebrate the intelligence and creativity of Paul Pogba and the oh power God. and the pace of Harry Maguire as we <laughs> go into the next game against Bournemouth. Maybe not the pace of Harry Maguire, but he's getting there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Brill. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We love you loads. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with another show. Oh, maybe even maybe even Sunday, given the games a Saturday afternoon game. We'll see yeah, how it works. We'll, we'll see how, we'll see how, how it goes. Go. Probably Monday, though. But yeah, in the meantime, take really good care of yourselves and um, stay safe out there. Have a good one. Bye now.